of storage spaces and even your inner world as we release the clutter in your mind, your body, and your mind. This podcast is inspired by my latest release, Clutter Intervention, How Your Stuff is Keeping You Stuck. Once you realize why you hold on to the stuff you hold on to, the letting go is easy. Welcome to today's show. I am so honored to have my guest today. Matt Kahn is the author of the best-selling book, Whatever Arises, Love That and his most recent release, Everything is Here to Help You, published by Hay House. Matt is a spiritual teacher and healer who has become a YouTube sensation with over 11 million viewers. Matt had a spontaneous awakening when he was eight years old, in addition to direct experiences with the sit-in masters and archangels throughout his life. Using his intuitive abilities of seeing, hearing, feeling, and direct knowing, Matt feels the emotions of others and is able to pinpoint what's blocking one's heart from opening. Many spiritual seekers have experienced amazing, unexplainable physical and emotional healings and have awakened to their true nature through Matt's profound, loving, and often funny teachings and transmissions. It's an honor to have Matt on today's show. Welcome, Matt. Oh, thanks for having me. It's truly an honor to be here. Thanks. So I, I have been loving your new book, um, Everything is Here to Help You, and I want to dive into that. But first, I want to I wanna hear what it's like to have a spontaneous awakening. Well, it's quite interesting. I've had the fortune of having many awakenings throughout my life. And what, what happens when an awakening occurs, at least in my experience, is that there is a moment where something inside of you shifts. It's kind of like when you feel the first raindrop hit your head to let you know that there's a rainstorm underway. Something drops in, and it drops in, and it can have a sudden realization attached to it. It can have an insight of now I see the world anew. Or it can just be a shift of, I don't know why, but I feel as if I am brand new and I'll never be the same again. And it's like everything before that moment has dropped away and everything from this moment forward is a brand new beginning. And as you have these spontaneous awakenings, which again may or may not come with some groundbreaking insight of oneness and interconnection and our soul's deepest purpose, what happens is the more awakenings we have, the shorter time existing between them until we get to a place, and I can only share this because it's my personal experience, where you begin to live in a reality of endless awakening, where even as I meet you right now, it feels as if whatever happened in my day has dropped away, and I'm literally meeting you as if my day just started. Well, I think for those in the you know spiritual seekers, I think these ideas of, of these awakenings are something we all like, we all like crave to have and yeah is there anything we can do to precipitate it and also second part of that question is do they sometimes come through painful situations well of course because through a painful situation well let's let's even just reframe what an awakening is an awakening is the spontaneous rearranging of your reference points so oftentimes when we go through unexpected change under the stress of insurmountable odds, unexpected loss, the death of a loved one, that represents the dissolving or the shifting of a very important reference point in your life. And when that reference point gets shifted, the immediate question becomes, whether consciously or subconsciously, 
who am I now with this no longer in reference? Who am I now with these pieces shuffled around? And as soon as there is something that instigates the re-examining or reshuffling of our reference points, our consciousness has the momentary space to expand. So consciousness is just looking for any opportunity to expand. And as soon as reference points that have been ingrained are kind of moving, in a split second, that consciousness will expand. And then we start to experience ourselves beyond reference points, beyond the um, perception of loss and gain, beyond the perception of wins and loses. And instead of competing with ourselves or using our present to compete with our past or competing with other people, we're in a harmonious flow of cooperation with our soul's destiny. And in fact, we start relating to other people just as if they're extended members of our soul family. And so we really start to find a cooperation instead of a competition. And we start to feel more in harmony with life life than plagued by the harm that may have been done to us by others. I, I've had what, I, what sounds, what you're describing, when my mom passed, it was a very sudden, sudden passing, and I, it, it, the shock of it, like, opened my heart to this, this place that I had not been to before, yeah. and I realized that how, how, how grief and grief and love are just synonymous, and I know you, in your work, you really encourage um, more so than a lot of spiritual teachers of really going into the emotional body. Can you mm -hmm. talk about how, how, how important that is? Well, absolutely. I think that oftentimes we love to set up a moment of grief and we grieve to create greater space for even higher levels of love to emerge. And I think that, you know, to keep things as simple as possible, it's so easy to think that it's the outside thing that causes me to feel this way, when in fact it is the outside circumstance <clears throat> reminding me of the inside things that maybe were dormant that have now become active. And so, for example, all of us hold grief in our hearts. And it's only under certain auspicious occasions where the passing of a loved one is deep enough to inspire a healing that, nothing, that no one else could trigger in you. So when we see through the eyes of the soul, <clears throat> it is thank you to whatever character or situation that has made me aware of the very healing that as it gets activated in me, even grief, that's life saying you're now mature and conscious enough to handle this journey and we're ushering you into the next level by having you confront the grief that can only be made possible through the loss of someone you're connected to. That's beautiful. I, I by the way, one of the, one of the 11 million of your viewers on YouTube and, and just for listeners, you've got to check out his YouTube, um, his YouTube channel and, and videos because you're just so eloquent in the way you explain things. Um, so now we've we've talked about the like where we the reach point where we want to go to not that it's, not that it's ever not that we ever really reach it, but now let's talk about the blocks to getting there. And this is uh, segues into your your latest book, um, and you talk about the inner war and the three the three main uh, inner wars within us: worry, regret, and anticipation. So I want to dive into these because this is where I feel like such the meat of like stuff that we, everyone deals with on an everyday basis. So if you could get a little tee up to what, what that's about. Absolutely. So what I 
when I tuned into the inner workings of the ego, because basically the spiritual journey is a shift out of ego and into the soul, but the ego and the soul are two separate aspects of the same one, but they're not separate things. In the same way that you as a child are maturing to become an adult. And it's not that you had to throw away your childhood in order to have adulthood. And so when we're on the spiritual journey thinking we have to get rid of this ego so we can make room for the soul, again, it's just a very overly masculated way of looking at um, teachings that require the feminine balance to really get the heart of it, literally the heart of it. So when we're looking at shifting out of the younger stages of ego and into the maturity of a soul, we look at first becoming aware of the behavior of ego, because it's so easy to believe that the ego's desires are my desires. And if we can just have some space to be aware of the three prime functions of ego, meaning if the ego doesn't have these three functions that I'll explain, it literally starts unraveling and waking up occurs. So an ego can't exist without a constant necessity of worry, anticipation, and regret. And when I channeled this, I looked at the words worry, anticipation, and regret, and I realized as an acronym, the first letters of each word spelled out war. And I went, oh my God, the inner war, the inner conflict of ego is not with other people. It's not based on what things happen to us. It's literally we believe other things cause these feelings because of how often we worry, anticipate, and regret. And then, of course, my download of intuition said, what's the opposite of war? And it was raw, raw being the vulnerability, the heart-centered receptivity of our soul. And so when we go on a spiritual path, we are trying to reverse the conditions of war, the worry, anticipation, and regret. And the way we do that as the soul is by learning to respect, acknowledge, and welcome each and every moment of worry, anticipation, and regret. So instead of believing that we have a right to worry, instead of believing that there's something to anticipate, or instead of believing that there's something I'm, I'm worth regretting about. Instead, we learn to respect, acknowledge, and welcome. And of course, the acronym of respect, acknowledge, and welcome is RAW. And as we learn to respect, acknowledge, and welcome our emotional experiences, our thoughts, our concerns, our worries, and even the behavior of others that come our way with greater respect, acknowledgement, and welcoming, we are literally unraveling the ego, but from the soul's perspective, which allows our heart to blossom in love instead of to endlessly spiral in never-ending suffering. That would be amazing to be able to live that every day. Can you give us some like, like, so let me backtrack first. Mm -hmm. um, so basically you're... Your approach is integrating the ego as opposed to like yes. trying to transcend it or get rid of it. It's an integration. Right. right. And by doing that, we need to respect when these emotions, like if I'm worried about something not going right, um, a future event, um, like any practical tips on how we integrate when that, when those feelings come up? Oh, absolutely. So just as an example, let's say we are worried about something. That's a very common human emotion. Let's say we're worried about something. And even if we just said to ourselves, First step, respect. What does respect mean? But to acknowledge that even though it's showing up as something to worry about, I am acknowledging that it is divinity in form playing the role of helping me 
either stay where I'm at or evolve if I decide. So even to say to the worry, I respect this worry as a catalyst of evolution, as an agent of change, I respect this worry as divinity in form. First step, we acknowledge that it is divinity. Soon as we recognize its divinity, that stops the conversation about what we're gonna do about the worry. Now we're not in reactive mode, we're in recognition mode. Mm -hmm. I honor the divine in the worry, which is respect. Then we go to acknowledge. I acknowledge that this worry is helping me deepen my relationship with myself. So we're not going into reactive mode outside of ourselves, we're letting it turn us inward into ourselves. And then welcome. Because I recognize the divine in worry, because I acknowledge that it is helping to deepen my relationship, I welcome this worry to be felt, not reacted to, so that as I learn to welcome worry, concern, anticipation, and regret, I'm literally transcending the human condition by deepening my relationship with my most difficult emotions. And that's how we can actually use the process to really create a more intimate, loving relationship, even with the things that don't feel the way we hope they do. That makes so much sense. It's reminding me a little bit of like inner child work and that you know when these triggers come up and it's like the worst thing you can do is shame it. And instead right. you, you, you acknowledge it and so even these worries, regrets, anticipations of the ego are, are aspects of ourselves, and we, if we try to just get rid of it, then that's a further shaming process. Instead, really acknowledging it, seeing it as divine, seeing it in the title of your book, Everything is Here to Help You. That's right. And, and, and yeah, and so I, I love that approach. Um, you know, really at the, the heart of the worry, regret, anticipation is our desire to control how we want, um, and, and in your words, to satisfy our likings. Um, and like, we have such limited um, perspective on what's possible, and so we think we, we want what we want. Um, and at the end of the day, we're just trying to control situations, and that's why we're worried they're not going to turn out the way we want to, right? <laughs> and, you know, an interesting point to make, and this is something not in the book, but just to kind of deepen the conversation. Most people only want what they want because the wanting of their desires are just trying to fill the voids created by their core wounds, mm -hmm. created by their upbringing. Mm -hmm. So what's really interesting to know is that we want what we want because we're trying to fill the void of a core wound. And what life wants for us is based on knowing who we are in the absence of our core wound. So it's not that life is never going to bring us what we want. It's that we have to heal our core wounds. Because at the center, even when we talk about the need for control and for our liking, the reason we have a need for control is as a subconscious reaction to in somewhere in our past, we felt controlled by others. So we felt controlled by others, whether through others neglected instead of loved us. So their withholding of their attention felt like a form of control or abuse is a drastic form of unconscious control. In some way, we have felt controlled by others. So as a reflection of that core wound, we try to control the circumstances of life 
so not to revisit the pains of the past. So that creates the core wound. One of my most recent uh, descriptions of the ego is I say the ego is the personality, the behavior, and the unconscious habits of our core wound. So think of the difference of how much more compassionate it is, like if someone's acting out of character, or even if we're not acting in our most highest nobility, instead of going, God, look at my ego, we said, wow, this is someone's core wound acting out. They must be in the midst of healing. Like how compassionate is that insight? That's so good. There's a there's a one point you, you make or a, a sentence that says uh, the ego can only enjoy moments that match its preferences. The soul mm-hmm. is able to access a much deeper reality. Um, That's right. Yeah, I think we're so like I was saying like so limited in in what we think our preferences are that um, if we were able to kind of let go of control, the universe might show us something even bigger and better than we can imagine. Um, and then, of course, healing the wounds as well. <laughs> and, and even to parallel to the work that you do, just to bridge that, you know, because I know you, you know you do feng shui and a lot of decluttering work. We were talking about that before we did this uh, interview. Most people are hell-bent on attracting the object of their desire, again, as a reflection of their past of being objectified or treating like an object by someone in their past. So if we have been seen as an object of someone's desire growing up, for better or for worse, we grow up believing ourselves to be an object of desire, and only as seeing ourselves as an object called a person, we now have other objects we need in order to feel good about who we are as an object. So really with this book, Everything is Here to Help You, it really is a chance to wake up out of what I call object consciousness. Of course, when you help people declutter, it's minimizing the objects around you so to have more inner space to process your emotions. And, and throughout the depths of the spiritual journey, every step, we are taking the time to be more loving with ourselves and receptive with our heart's wisdom to see ourselves less as objects and more as souls in human form. Yeah, I love that. Oh my gosh, I should have had you do the forward to my book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, so much of my book is about, uh, you know, how we externalize our identity, our ego in, in our objects. And that's what makes decluttering so challenging is that we're actually, you know, releasing identities and they're just ego identities or personas. And a lot of times they're, they're outworn or no longer serving us, but at one time in our lives they did serve us. Um, and so really, you know, decluttering, in my approach, it's, it's actually the grief process. And it's, it's mm. letting go in a, in, a, in a grief, letting go of the past, letting go of um, parts and personas of yourself. And... Um, how would you kind of guide someone through like a letting go process? Not necessarily with clutter, but just, uh, you know, just grief. Well, I think in my way of doing it, just to kind of add and give it a little bit of a nuance, is that if we were to say letting go, we're letting go of the belief or perception that anything is an enemy trying to harm us. And that if we are surrendering, we're surrendering into the perception of even if I don't know how everything is here to help me, I must accept that everything 
may inspire change, but it's literally a universal law that if it inspires change, it can only inspire change for the better. So we literally are surrounded by angels and guides who guard our field and only allow in the very experiences that are destined to change us for the better. So if there's a letting go, we are purging all of the beliefs that something is happening against me and instead, whether I like how it feels or not, it's actually conspiring for my evolutionary benefit. And just like when you're a child, you can't get excited about the adult that you will one day become because you're too inundated by the terror of growing pains and restlessness and hormones and all the things we go through. So in the same way, it's very difficult for us to embrace the benefits of what's helping us evolve because the growing pains are often too distracting. The more we love ourselves, the more we come home to our souls, and the more we really start to anchor what I call heart-centered consciousness, which of course in the book I spell out step-by-step step in a very incredible way that as I look back at the book, I go, I can't even believe I wrote that. But it literally just spells out how one, here's the basis of the book. And this is my favorite part of it. It's not just what to do on the spiritual path. There are many people on spiritual paths, but the one thing that's never really talked about is how does someone be on a spiritual path to maximize their success and to minimize their confusion and to minimize their um, you know, exhaustion? And so I've seen so many people over the years hitting walls, doing lots of things, getting very minimal success. And I think it's because people like to talk about what to do not how to do it. And so one of the great things about this book is I talk about how to be on a spiritual path to make sure that we are in harmony with the universe and able to maximize the benefit that every moment creates for us. Yeah, speaking of you, the, the acronyms that you use throughout the book um, makes me wonder if it's a bit of a code that, uh, that <laughs> That you're that uh, I mean maybe in hindsight you you realized and um, but I'm not I'm wondering if uh, it's working on a subconscious way that we're not even aware of. Yes, because everything's a code, yes. and there are co there are codes in our subconscious mind, in our cellular body, in our chakra system. There are codes that unlock secrets within us and unlock doorways to higher dimensions. And of course, when I speak, I transmit healing energy when I speak. And the words I speak are simply just what the universe is asking me to say. But I use words because words are codes that unlock greater possibilities within us. So when I do the codes that I channeled for the book, and as I'm writing and I'm like, oh my God, this is like a spiritual Nicolas Cage movie. This is amazing. And, you know, but that's the entire universe is created out of codes of consciousness. And this book just scratches the surface as to the coding, that when we start to crack that code, it literally is like an entire new universe is born within us. And what we thought was true is part of the truth. And what is true is so much bigger and more miraculous than we could have ever imagined. I want to go back for a second on the letting go process, or, or actually, probably your words would be more of a shift of perception process. But so much, and not to go back to decluttering so much, but so much of our decluttering or letting go is around relationships. 
and mm-hmm. which a lot of times we, is holding on resentments or grudges and where forgiveness um, is needed. And there's a, there's a line you use of, it says, if there is just one person we continue to blame, our evolution pauses until such a belief is surrendered. I mm-hmm. love that. <laughs> well, thank you. And, and I, I do as well. You know, I, I channel what I channel and often when I'm channeling, I'm, not aware of what I'm right. I'm aware, but I'm not aware. And then I go back and I read it and I go, oh my God, that was amazing. Um, because really, um, judgment is the desire for blame. Forgiveness is the surrendering of blame. And in the book, I explain it, uh, uh, forgiveness in a very interesting way, where let's say you have a memory of something traumatic that happened to you that the memory is about a certain character who did something that affected you. And so when we talk about forgiveness, we want to kind of split that memory apart a little bit. And we want to take the character who we think did what they did to us and we put it aside. We want to pardon the character because we are using the soul's perception of respect, acknowledge and welcoming to honor that every character in our life is the divine at a certain level. And instead, forgiveness is not forgetting what happened to say, yes, I was attacked, I was persecuted, I was abused, I was, God forbid, I was raped or um, take advantage of, which happens to so many of us in this world. But if we really want to start healing, the letting go is I let go of blaming and shaming the character who is a representative of the universe that put me through this experience to put me on a path that as I heal it, perhaps deeper than anyone on the planet is healing it, energetically what I heal of abuse in myself is actually healing abuse on a global level. So we pardon the people who have done what we think they did, because as long as we associate a negative memory or a pain to a person, we're holding on. So we let go of who it's about. We never forget what happened to us, but when we can embrace the emotional feelings of what happened without needing to project it onto another character, that's when forgiveness has been accessed, that's when blame has been set aside, and that's when the true healing of the grief can truly unfold from my point of view. Everything is here to help you, or everyone is here to help you, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, everything is here to help you. That's uh, Matt's uh, latest book. I highly, highly um, encourage everyone to go out and buy it. It's fabulous. Um, you have some a lot of events coming up this summer. Uh, can you give us a little roundup of that, of course, in where people can find you? Absolutely. I have one of the biggest group healing tours I'm doing where in every city I do a Friday evening and a Saturday full day. And I use my intuition to tune into what everyone in attendance and on live stream is going through. And every city is a different theme. Like um, in Vancouver this last weekend, I did Healing Your Core Wound. And then coming up in Boulder, California, I'm going to be addressing Unraveling Fear and then Anger and then, then the next city. So every city is a different theme the clearing and activating of a different chakra, 
And it's just an opportunity for me to gather as many heart-centered beings who want to heal and get to the other side of their healing journey and to do this healing work as miraculously as it can be done. Because as long as we align in the heart, and that's why I transmit heart-centered energy, we can get into our heart, the healing can be rather progressive. So for those out there that really want to get on the other side of their healing journey um, and to sign up for my free newsletter, you can go to matcom.org and in the upper right-hand corner, and not only can you sign up for my uh, newsletter, but there's a live stream button, and you click that live stream button, and from the comfort of your own home, you can join me for the entire tour. Uh, again, that's mattcon.org, and it's literally just the most exciting healing tour I've ever offered. And uh, I just did my first city a couple, about a week ago, and I'm just, I'm still flying from and amazed by 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 what unfolds. Oh, that sounds amazing. I'm going to check out your calendar see if I can. Uh get in on one of those. I imagine, I, I see your videos all the time, but I imagine in person, and not only in person with you, but also have experiencing in a group environment is really powerful. Yes, you know, because the in-person energy uh, it amplifies the transmission. And, you know, it's very common when I'm transmitting energy for the hundreds of people in attendance to literally all have an awakening experience and to experience Hundreds of people at the same moment waking up at the same time is such an extraordinary experience. I don't know how I it, it happens. I only know in the moment, you know, how to be in the flow of it happening. But it's it, it's a spectacular experience. Um, it, for a lot of people, it, it feels like, you know, like a coming home to be with your soul family and like a healing rock concert all at the same time. Uh, some, you know, a lot of times I, I'm motivated to say funny things, and it's just to allow the healing journey to be more humanized, to be more down to earth, and for us to do the deep healing work that we're here to do, but in a way that really fits into our everyday lives. Thank you so much, Matt, for being on today's show. I really, this, I feel like I've received a healing. I know the listeners are going to feel the transmission as well. So just thank you so much for taking time out. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information, visit the website clutterintervention.com for upcoming events and course offerings. In the meantime, have a wonderful day.